Hi, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of Words, Images, and Worlds. I'm tempted to start this one out with some really bad singing, something along the lines of Flash, oh, but but I, I will resist, except I just did. I'm glad to be talking <laughs> on this episode for a second time with comics creator Jim Keefe. Jim, thank you for jumping in. Hey, uh, thanks for reaching out to me. Greatly appreciated. My pleasure. We are talking about that character that I was just referencing, who's currently in a dynamic pose over your shoulder, and that is the character of Flash Gordon, uh, a comic strip that you you worked on for a good good amount of uh, drawing and time, and yeah, just so, under eight years. Yes, yeah, quite quite a tenure. Um, so I am curious how you first became acquainted with this character. Well, um. Very much so via the Joe Kubert school, which I attended back in the 80s. Um, you had, like, I was a novice in regards to so much of comic history there, because I'm in my early 20s. I knew Marvel comics. I knew names. You know, Stan Lee was really good at getting names out there of their artists. You know, Jazzy John, Romita, Jack the King, Kirby. Mm -hmm. So... I was familiar with those artists. And of course, um, there's DC artists I was aware of as well. But the history of comics, not so much. And so you had this mix at the Kubert School of not only the instructors who were drawing from their influences, but fellow students who were way more on top of what was going on in the industry at the time than I was. Mm -hmm. um, I had friends... God, friend, my friends, uh, Mark McMurray, Brian Bilter, they would just tune me into anything like they would be like, oh, you like you like this. Oh, then you'll love that. Like, you know, that kind of stuff where it's like introduced me to like Mark Schultz and oh, actually yeah. introduced me to Al Williamson because uh, generally it's like, hey, here's where your interests lie. You would love this kind of stuff. Cool. And what's interesting as far as uh, Flash Gordon is concerned you had the artists of Joe Kubert's generation. They had, um, they grew up like when they were like 10 years old, there was like three pillars of adventure strips. And I'm going to refer to notes so I don't get them wrong. Cal Foster doing Prince Valiant, Milton Kniff doing Terry and the Pirates, and Alex Raymond doing Flash Gordon. Hmm. And those were the big three as far as newspaper comic strips. And I have to show you real quick, Yes. Like here is the size of a comic strip back in the 30s. This is from the first year of Flash Gordon. Nice. So you would have huge pages like this in the Sunday paper every every week with incredible some of the best illustrators around. Mm -hmm. Um I also have just real quick to give you uh just a quick visual like a Hal Foster page which you can nice. see just the huge size of it, Prince Valiant. Uh -huh, so uh -huh. it was it was just the golden age in every sense of the word. You had, once again, best illustrators doing some of their top work. Uh -huh. And it was in a medium that was affordable to everyone. Like yeah. anyone could see it. Because the, like, uh, Joe Kubert's generation, it was this immigrant generation coming into New York. So it's not like they had a ton of money to spend. You know, it's not like, uh, 
they were just throwing money around. So uh, comic strips in the newspaper were a great source of entertainment. And I think about it too, and I'm sure you're the same way where at 10 years old, like that's where all this stuff really imprints on you as far as your favorite um, comic strips, well, comic strips, as far as your favorite superheroes, as far as your favorite sports team, as far as like all that stuff really hits hard when you're about 10, 12 years old. So for Joe Kubert's generation, it was that it was those comic strips um, that they and once again, then they were able to bring all of that wealth of those illustrators to the classroom when I was when I was at the Kubert school. So Flash Gordon was huge just because it was one of those iconic illustrators, Alex Raymond. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then you, of course, got to work on the strip. And so I'm curious about what your experience uh, going through that process was like. Well, <laughs> it was it was funny because once again, I'm going to show you real quick. Like this is Flash Gordon by Alex Raymond. First year of the strip, the topper. Mm -hmm which is because it's such a huge page, the artist would also do a top strip. So this was Jungle Jim by Alex Raymond, followed by the main part of the strip is um, Flash Gordon, of course. And Jungle Jim was like an Indiana Jones kind of, you know, strip where jungle adventure, this, that, and the other thing. So I want to flip this around. Yeah. And here's when I was doing the strip. And this is actually huge still because it's back in the like early 2000s but you can see like my strip is relegated to this really small space where i only have a few panels and there's here's prince valiant on the top which is given a larger space but you have like here we have one two three four five six five to six you know strips per page so when i was doing it it was a very different beast Mm -hmm. um alex raymond could have like 12 panels and he would later you know make bigger panels um when it was more of a when it was a quarterly size but i was relegated to make a visual impact to maybe if i did six panels you're talking about a postage stamp as far as a drawing yes. mm -hmm. so you're relegated to just a few panels per week. Cause I would usually, the one I just showed you had like four panels just so I could have like the big shot of the monster attacking the rocket ship. And. Oh, there he went. Splash just made a jump for it. He's he did. scared. He wants to get away. He he heard that there was a monster attacking a, a rocket ship. So he. He's off to fight adventures. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Perfect timing. Oh my God. <laughs> There's no stopping him. He will That's save right. every one of us. He, um, he really will. <laughs> so I'm going to leave that be. Okay. So, um, there, so I'm to the point where I'm just going to have like four panels, which is just a whole different beast as far as the comic strip goes. And that's only once a week. So the storytelling gets really laborious because it's so slow paced, mm -hmm. especially if it's just a Sunday page. Um, so that was different. So it was kind of like the best of times, the worst of times working on that trip mm -hmm. and the best of times being create like writing and drawing your own strip, comic book, graphic novel, I think is the best case scenario because you really just have a passion for the material because you're also writing it. Mm 
um there's incredible collaborations going on out there so i'm not knocking that mm -hmm. but i'm really interested in the writer and artist scenario um so when i did the flash gordon strip i was writing it drawing it doing the lettering doing the coloring so it was very much my vision from start to end how i thought it should be mm -hmm. um so that was that was fantastic plus I'm looking for reference at some of the best illustrators in the world. I'm looking at Alex Raymond. I'm looking at Al Williamson. Um, I'm looking at Dan Barry, like just these iconic illustrators, best in the business as far as my inspiration. And so it just like raised the bar as far as what the strip should be. Yeah. So that was unique. Um, to be able to do it all myself and also on this iconic character. Mm -hmm. um, the worst of times being the size restriction mm -hmm. and also you had, to put it bl bluntly, it just didn't pay well. Gag strips are the most popular in the newspaper. So they have the highest distribution. Adventure mm -hmm. strips and continuity strips are generally don't have the circulation that a gag strip does huh. and your pay is reflective of how many papers you're in so a strip like flash gordon by the time i was taking it over by the time i took it over it was only in a handful of papers mm -hmm. and even though i was picking up papers i got the daily news in um new york and it was selling internationally but i was on food stamps like working wow. on Flash Gordon. So, and that's why I eventually had to, um, eventually I had to not resign because yeah. I had to find work that paid better, just simply enough. So it was creatively, it was incredible, but um, monetarily, <laughs> not so much. Yeah, yeah. As far as the the mechanics of it, you're you're getting something that's about postage size, print but what size were you working in on those images oh um literally you for a comic strip like that um yeah i'll send i'll send you the size of an original mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. just so you can get an idea um but generally it's like a like the paper size itself is only like 17 inches across mm -hmm. so 15 inches maybe as far as the whole strip um, and you don't want to draw much bigger because it gets reduced so much. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's interesting. Like, I think Patrick McDonnell, who does the strip mutts, uh -huh. um, fantastic strip. He pretty much tries to work real small to replicate, uh, this, like what you're seeing is more the size he's working in. Granted, it's reduced so small now. But he's working a smaller size where you have, I think, Ray Billingsley, who does Curtis, mm -hmm. still draws huge as far as much bigger than like a 14 by 70, 17 inch piece of Bristol. Um, I work, I used to work on staff at King, so I would see all the originals coming in. Yeah, um, yeah. You had artists like John Cullen Murphy working on Prince Valiant, huge originals, Ray Billingsley, huge ori originals. And then other artists, because of the constraints, would work smaller, like myself, because they didn't want the line work to fall out. 
mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which just it's it yeah it's it's not fun that way and it's interesting i was able to talk to john ramita and yes i will mention my favorite artist john ramita absolutely um him working on the amazing spider-man strip from like 77 to 80 he complained about that uh big time as far as just (laughs) the size constraints he hated the postage stamp size and he was yearning to get back to comic books where you had some room to draw Mm -hmm. and he also it was funny he um would complain and i use complain in quotation but as far as the writing as far as stan lee um writing the strip he would uh he would kind of rib stan lee because it was like if stan lee if he could he would have had like photographs in that strip he wanted so much detail so it's like in this little postage stamp you'd have a car chase or you know of course (laughs) spider-man swinging through new york city with all this iconic architecture like there wasn't the room to do it yet john romita pulled it off which to this day i don't know how he did it yeah yeah it's it's amazing stuff and um i mean you look at the details in a panel and the time that it must take is just incredible. And that's eventually, that's why Romita had to drop the strip because he was still art. He was art director at Marvel while doing that. Wow. So he was working eight days out of a seven day week. (laughs) He was just an insane schedule to get that amount of work done. I, and that's why he eventually had to stop. Yeah. Well, and I know he, it kind of reached a threshold as far as how many papers it was in. And that was kind of one of the things that governed him too, as far as continuing, but the strips he did are like there, that's mm-hmm. my sweet spot. Cause I'm like 10, 12 years old when that came out. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now my next question may be actually, uh the gestation of a third talk at some point and that's about some of the sort of the history of comics and um how that has informed your work that it's a big one right it's a big question (laughs) you know the history of it it very much and you see it with it pretty much keeps like a fire in your belly as far as being able to do the work to see these great Mm -hmm. masters as far as the history of comics it would be interesting to do a deep dive at a later point but generally um if you look at any artist's studio and they have like a wall of books somewhere Mm -hmm. where it's just where they can kind of tap into to see some of their favorite stuff um you have joe kubert who like i said grew up on hal foster and Alex Raymond, Milton Kniff. And I actually saw one of his last lectures at C2E2 in Chicago. And he's one of the talking points he had was talking about sequential art and him growing up reading Hal Foster. Before Prince Valiant, Hal Foster worked on the Tarzan strip. That's where he kind of got his, uh, his street cred. Like it just... It was he did phenomenal work and King was like, we want him. We're going to hire him. He can create his own strip because of the phenomenal, phenomenal work he's doing. But to hear Joe Kubert talk about Hal Foster's Prince Valiant, Prince Valiant, um, Hal Foster's Tarzan Mm -hmm. and how 
it's like he would talk about it like between panels, just how he illustrated um, sequential, the narrative, you would get a sense of the ape swinging through the trees. Mm-hmm. Like it, it wasn't static images. It was moving images. You saw it in your mind because of how it was laid out. And that's a sign of a good uh, comic artist. But hearing Joe talk about it, he's all of a sudden 12 years old. You can hear his excitement in his voice. Same way me talking about, you know, my favorite artists, um, where it just like hits home. And I think as far as how it informs your work, mm-hmm. I think you're trying to recapture that. I mm-hmm. think you're really trying to uh, just get that spark of inspiration from it that then can translate to the best part is when it translates to someone else. Mm-hmm. Because like my Flash Gordon stuff, um, after I after I decided to step down from doing it, instead of getting another artist to do it initial, initially, they reprinted my stuff for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And once and also, even right now, there's a comic series in India where they're just reprinting all my work. Mm-hmm. So it's so much fun to hear from people from just all over the world where they'll reach out to you and go, you know, oh my gosh, I remember reading this werewolf sequence when I was like 10 years old. That is so cool. That is, you know, and you kind of like, oh, that is what I'm shooting for. Like someone uh-huh. to read that and get that kind of sense of adventure from my strip. Um, So as far as that, how does it inform your work? It is that sense of just like almost like a childhood kind of like joy of just adventure or you know or any or romance or whatever the genre or genre is that the right word genre would be because you see it with young adult graphic novels today Mm -hmm. um my daughter tessa um she's in her 20s she works in book publishing but she grew up with all the young adult graphic novels and manga Mm -hmm. and that's just a sweet spot for her that's like her i'm just gonna you know, that's how she can recharge by just kind of like enjoying that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that taps into the final question that I have for you. Uh, final official question. And that is, you know, Flash Gordon is, is now in the process of being released in a new run from uh, Mad Cave. And uh, just thinking about where comics are now, I was wondering what you're envisioning as the future of the medium. Another well, and as far question. as, <laughs> yeah. And as far as the future of the medium, and before I even jump to that, I'm going to th- do a throw out to the new flash Gordon strip, which was just um, launched by King features just recently. They had the mad cave, which is going to be doing comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, the comic strip is now was just relaunched. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to mangle his name. Uh, I think it's Dan Shoddy who's doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the, I know his name, I just don't know how to pronounce it. So if I, my apologies to him, if I got it wrong and whatever respect, but he is just, I think he's just perfect for the strip right now. Um, he has this style, which just works. It's, um, 
backtrack back when Alex Raymond did it, it was really huge. So he could put in a little, all this like fine line detail, which would actually reproduce. Mm -hmm. Um, Dan has a great style, which is more minimalistic, but superb, not minimalistic, simple, superb as far as the coloring and line work, which just translates to a comic strip for today. And Mm -hmm. he is writing and drawing it my sweet spot as well. And he knows how to pace a strip because he because he comes from it visually and also being the writer. And it's just fast paced. And the last thing you can do with a daily strip, which only comes, you know, a few panels every day, is have some just exposition where uh-huh. it just deadens the strip. You got to put in that kind of stuff with the story so it's not hammering you over the head. It's just flowing. He's doing it superbly. So as far as what I see, um, what I'd like to see next, I think that was the question as far as storytelling. Mm -hmm. I think we're already seeing it in young adult graphic novels and manga, like the long form stuff, the um, Marvel and DC kind of have the the hold on just superhero stuff in general. They have like, their you know intellectual properties which they have you know a stronghold of which it's and but outside of that with young adult graphic novels and um other publishers you just have these long form stories that can be told in different formats which um writers just can writers and artists just are able to have some breathing room Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm really excited in that regards, because you do see, I mean, it's just the nature of the business. It's like uh, newspaper strips hit like a point where um, their readership kind of the readership started going down. There's comic books, there's TV, there's movies, there's stuff that's, you know, kind of like taking a piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. And like with comic books, too, like comic books were huge in the 40s. And 50s, then they kind of hit a lull and then revamped in the 60s. And I think right now you are just seeing like they're kind of reaching kind of a plateau right now as far as Marvel and DC, their circulation with an older readership. Mm -hmm. Um, But young adult, young adult graphic novels and manga are just taking off and are so like there's so many more different genres. There's romance, there's action, there's, you know, all it's not just limited to superhero stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's also appealing to just not generally a male audience. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it because of the different genres, there's just, it opens it up to just all different kinds of storytelling, which appeals to a larger readership. So I already think we're kind of seeing the future of where it's headed mm-hmm. in that regards. Cause you kind of look at the business model of where it's taking off and that's where it's taking off currently. So that's where I see it. And that's what I'm excited about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as a, as a school teacher, as somebody that appreciates what comics can do. Um, I'm also excited about that direction. And um, Jim, with that, I, I thank you for your time. Thank you for another wonderful talk. Lots of uh, insights packed in and, and glad to have you back anytime to talk comics and history and uh, oh, all the things. Yeah. And I'll keep you posted as far as if Flash survived his latest adventure. Well, I'm sure as he did. far I'm as sure he, he took it, he took, well, you 
<laughs> it's up for grabs. Yeah, it's yeah. a cliffhanger. Dun dun. Yep, absolutely. Uh, well, well, looking forward to hearing about Flash's status, and uh, looking forward to talking again sometime in the future. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you.